Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Come on, let's give Jesus the highest praise this morning. Come on, keep it up for Jesus. All right, you're the most caffeinated service we have, so why don't you give, give Jesus what he really deserves? Come on. There it is. All right. <laughs> Praise God. All right, I got to get a few things out of the way first. Um, one, yes, I am from, from Alabama, uh, from, from Alabama football country. I am an alumnus of the University of Alabama. Um, where are, are, there, are there any Alabama fans out there by any chance, University of Alabama? Okay, I need you to close your, your ears real quick. I hate Alabama football. Uh, I, I'm not an Alabama fan. I, uh, I was raised in Louisiana, and so I'm an LSU Tiger, so maybe you hold that against me even more. But hey, if, if you dislike Bama, I'm with you. We're on the same team. Praise God for that. So I gotta, get, I gotta clear that out. I'm not a Bama. Um, number two, uh, my family planted Church of the Highlands in 2001, so we moved from Louisiana to Birmingham to plant Church of the Highlands, and, um, which makes me a pastor's kid, okay? So I don't know if you know PKs, but um, we're one of two people. We're either demons <laughs> that, that are, you know, rebellious or supposedly, or um, angels that nobody can really relate to. And so it was kind of awkward, like managing this tension of being a pastor's kid and having everybody in the church, like watch me grow up and watch my spirituality and my morality for, for everybody to, to see. So that was kind of intimidating. But so because of like what I've experienced, I thank God that he allowed uh, me to, to start this ministry called PK Getaway, which is just a chance for pastor's kids to get away from their church, to get away from y'all and their family and be normal for just like half a minute. And, it, it's, and it's really fun because we get to point them to the fact that you may think that your church is judging you, but your church really loves you. Like your family have high expectations and high, and high responsibility, but they are such a blessing and a resource and, a lo- and your parents are beautiful, wonderful people. So we get to point them back to their churches, which is so much fun. So actually, we got connected to the Stricklands through their daughter, Anna. So um, if you hate today, it's Anna's fault, okay? So she, she's the reason that I'm here, but I'm glad she's not in here in the service to hear that. But um, anyways, I, I do wanna say, I do wanna make, make this note as well. Um, being raised in a family that planted a church like Soma, um, I know just how difficult it can be on the family. You know, the devil is very strategic, and he knows the best way to hurt the church and hurt the people is if he can get to the shepherd. If he can get to the leader, that'll, that'll affect y'all. So I've seen time and time again people attack my family or my parents and even us as kids and... Um, it's not fair, but thank God that, that he, greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. Like, praise God for who he is. But I'm, I said, can I ask y'all to do one thing? This is just, if you hear nothing else, do this one thing. And that is pray for your pastors. Like, pray for their kids. Honestly, and selfishly, can you please pray for their kids too? Because they're, they're great people. Pastor Michael's great. Brooke's even better. <laughs> they, are, they are wonderful human beings. But their kids need your prayers just as much, if not more. Because honestly, this is kind of the tough part. I never asked to be a PK. I never asked for my parents to like plant a church, but I got it anyways. And so that wrestling with that was tough too. So, and the devil comes after them. So cover them. So do this for me. Every day of this week at mealtime, 
just say their names before God and pray for them. Can y'all do that, please? Just pray for the Stricklands, okay? Also, last thing, and then I'll get going, because I got I can't wait to share the word of God with you. Today feels like Christmas for me. That I, I, I didn't sleep good at all. Like I, I'm like, I was really pumped to get to be here with y'all. Um, but so Pastor Michael already mentioned Dallas. Let me help, I'm gonna pump up Dallas just a little bit because Dallas is one of the best students that's ever come out of Highlands College, and I'm not, and I'm joking. So he before he ever got to Highlands College, was the recipient of the Robert Hodges Memorial Scholarship. Robert Hodges is my grandfather, and he was known for his excellence, how he did everything well, and he just loved, he gave up his life for the church. My grandfather literally moved in an RV to Alabama to help my parents plant this church. He's an amazing man of God. He's in heaven now. And so the scholarship was made in his honor. And Dallas, before he ever came to Highlands College, was serving God so well, so faithfully, that he was chosen as the recipient out of every single applicant. He was the one that got chosen for this award. And so I'm actually kind of sad that he's here at Soma and not at Highlands. Like, y'all got, y'all really did get one of our best. And actually, y'all interviewed a few, and he made the cut. So he's like, he is really an incredible man of God leader. Where are you, Dallas? To get here? Hey, I'm very proud of you, man. You're a good man of God. I'm, I'm so excited to see what he does with you and the youth here at uh, Soma, because um, middle schoolers, I think, are the most scary people on the planet. <laughs> They're just tough, and so you're the man. He's the one for the job, <laughs> better you than me. Uh, but thank y'all so much for letting me come and share the word of God with you, and the series is actually, it's, I feel like I've been teed up really, really well with all the sermons that y'all have heard over the past three weeks about the good news, the bad news headlines, but there's really a lot of good news that covers over this bad news. The first bad news was that there, is, that there is condemnation, that we are sinners that are going to hell, but thank God, because of Jesus, I don't live in condemnation. There is no more condemnation for those of us who are in, are in Christ Jesus. Now, I am saved by grace and grace alone. It's a free gift. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I get to go to heaven, and that's a huge, 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 amazing. That, that, if there is no other good news, that is the best good news in the world is what Jesus has done. Amen? Then y'all covered that there is good news for failure. Which, is so, which gives me like so much confidence being on the stage because I have messed up my life on more than one occasion. Anybody else? Have y'all, any, any, okay. The rest of you are lying. We, we've all, you just messed up, just kidding. No, no condemnation. Um, but we, we, we fail all the time and no matter how we fail, no matter what we've done with our lives, no matter where we've gone, how we've tried to run from God, he always provided a path back. He had, he's actually in the habit of using failures. He used Peter, who denied Jesus three times, and then right after that, as Jesus rose from the dead, he's like, hey, I love you. I wanna use, you're still the rock. You, I want you to feed my sheep and take care of my people. He uses Moses and Paul, who are murderers, like literally murdered people to write the, the first five books of the Old Testament and much of the New Testament. God is in the habit of using people who mess up, which gives me so much confidence. And then last week, probably one of the most important messages is that there's good news for isolation. Uh, believe it or not, I am an introvert. I, in theory, I think I thrive better in isolation away from you guys, away from people. Like I, I, I feel like I'm better, but that's such a lie from the devil that we actually were always intended to be in community. That's the first thing that God said was not good on the earth was that they, man was alone. So if you haven't yet, I would strongly recommend you to get in groups, get out of isolation. That's what Pastor Michael talked about last week. Um, fact, you are your own worst counselor. You're the worst counselor in the world for you. You're biased about yourself. You don't see yourself clearly. 
you need godly people to surround you to help, to help you walk through what you're walking through. So thank God for groups here at SOMA. And today, so, so, so today the, the thing that there is good news for that I can't wait to share with you guys is that there is good news for fear. There is so much good news for fear that what God has done overcomes any fear that we may face. And so kind of the title of this message is that there, there is good news about your news. Whatever you're going through, whatever you came into these doors with, there's a lot of good news ready and available for you. And it's actually not just for you. That good news was meant for the world. It's time for you to share that good news and we'll talk about that. So we're gonna go into um, Matthew chapter 11, verses two through five. Matthew chapter 11. Let me give you some context in Matthew 11. So um, the gospels, the first four books of the New Testament are simply an account of what Jesus did, an account of his life. Jesus, the fact that he came to earth is great news. So the gospels literally are the good news of Jesus. Matthew um, begins in chapter one with just a genealogy of Jesus to show that Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere, that God prepared for him to come. The whole Old Testament is just preparing for Jesus to come on the scene. Um, That's chapter one. Chapter two talks about Jesus's birth and the wise men. Chapter three, it's important to note that this is when Jesus gets commissioned into his ministry. That's when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, and I need you to remember that. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist, in that moment, recognizes that this is the the chosen king, this is the person who's gonna save all of Israel, he, he, save the Jews, he, this is the chosen one that they've been expecting. Chapter four, though, unfortunately, John the Baptist gets arrested, so he's in prison in chapter four, and then it it shifts more attention onto Jesus, from chapters four through nine, you see Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. If you are in need of a miracle, I need you to go read Matthew four through nine to see how many ways Jesus showed up on the scene. It's incredible. And then in chapter 10, you see Jesus commissioned his disciples like, hey, I want you to get on the action. I want you to go ahead and share, share the gospel and also go heal people, deliver them from demon possession. Go, go raise people from the dead, heal the blind and the lame, the people that can't walk, can't talk. So the disciples were doing that. And word gets to John the Baptist while he's in prison, and we see that in Matthew 11. It says in verse two, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, about Jesus, he sent his disciples to ask him, okay, hold on. Wait, are are you the one who is to come? Remember, John the Baptist has already met Jesus. And he already affirmed that he was the one, but now he's kind of questioning it, which is interesting. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? So time out right there. What John was expecting, what the nation of Israel was expecting, the reason the Pharisees rejected Jesus is because that's not the type of leader they were looking for. They were looking for a king. They were looking for someone that was gonna take over Roman rule. They were the ones that were gonna deliver governmentally and politically and physically deliver the nation of Israel out of oppression of this Roman rule. And when Jesus came in doing all these miracles, it was kind of confusing because it didn't look like what they were expecting, which may be what, you, what happened to you when you came to Soma. Like, I don't, I don't know how many of you were raised in church like me, uh, but church kind of has this reputation of being boring or not life-giving or a ton of rules and really hard and, you know, I just gotta be good enough. And when you got to Soma, maybe that's what you were expecting, but that's not what you got. You got life-giving, you got the message, you got the word of God. It's a different vibe. Or maybe for those of you who've never been in church and so was your first church, maybe you were kind of freaked out like, these people may be snake handlers. Like, I don't know if this is like the, I, I don't know if this, I, I really don't know what to expect for the church. It may be crazy and I'm not ready for that. 
And it's not that it is grounded in the word of God. Like it is, it, it honors God, points to Jesus and preaches and teaches the gospel, which is so refreshing. This is a refreshing place. Maybe you weren't expecting that. Keep reading. So when, so when John kind of challenges Jesus, Jesus responds, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Jesus could have just said, yes, I am the chosen one. That should be good enough for you. He didn't say yes. It was a yes or no question. He could have just said yes. Rather, he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So he didn't say yes or no. He just says, hey, just see for yourself. Like the, the proof is really in the pudding. All, there's so much life change. In which, by the way, when you came to Soma, I think you probably recognize, man, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle is taking place here too. That Jesus is changing lives, that there are marriages being restored. Pastor Michael told us of marriages being restored. Y'all have had 20 people come to Jesus and 17 people get baptized, which is and publicly declare their faith before God and man. Like there's, there's some amazing things. Y'all are booming. Y'all, y'all are a quickly growing church here in Hickory. Like it, it's crazy. It's amazing to see what God is doing at Soma and you see it for yourself. So, I've, so we hear about all that's going on here. Like maybe you know of a few people that, whose lives have been changed or you've seen a testimony video or whatever it may look like. But I have a question for you specifically, for you to ask yourself. Like, so don't think about this question in the, through the lens of everybody else. Think about this question for you, okay? Has Jesus been good to you? <laughs> Has he been good to you? Has he been good to me? And I hope you quickly answer, yes, of course, absolutely, that Jesus has been far greater to me than I could ever deserve. He has given me a reason to shout for joy. He has given me a reason to be grateful. He's given me a reason to live. He's given me purpose and a hope and a future. He saved my soul when I didn't deserve it. He just decided to, he chose me when he didn't have to. Like while I was still a sinner, Romans 5 says, while I was still sinning, Jesus died for me. And that is good news. So if you belong to the body of Christ, if you are a Christian, if you have chosen Jesus, then no matter who you are, what you're going through, you have good news to share, that Jesus gave us this gift of salvation. You have the gift of salvation. So now that we all, if we have this gift, if we have this good news, over the past three weeks, you've heard three, three times in a row the good news that we have in Jesus what do I do with this good news? What do I do with the gift of salvation? And the Bible's very, very clear about that. It's go, <laughs> share, tell people about what he has done. Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, go, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, like, go, go tell people about what he has done. Romans 10 says, and really there's a problem anyways, that how in the world are the people out there that desperately need Jesus, that desperately need the truth, how are they ever gonna call on God if they've never heard about him? And how are they ever gonna hear about God if nobody's ever preached to them? And by the way, if you chose Jesus, congratulations, you're a preacher. You're not the only preacher in, in this room. Pastor Michael's not the only preacher in this room. You have been commissioned as a preacher. God bless you, go. We are the evangelists for the gospel. We are, we carry the ministry of the gospel. That is our job, is to, is to share the gospel. And by the way, People really need you to do it. People, heaven and hell are a reality and they desperately, desperately need the truth of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he can do, what he's already done. So um, 
I am, I'm one of five kids, and um, I have an older sister and three younger brothers. So I tell people, biblically, as the firstborn son, I'm the favorite, but that's not true. And so don't tell people I said that. But uh, my youngest brother, Joseph, is, he's just the best. Uh, he is on the autism spectrum, so he's very high functioning. And I, I love Joseph with all my heart because he says out loud what everybody's thinking. It's just the best thing in the world. It's, it gets dangerous, obviously. Um, and I will, <laughs> but it's so fun. Honestly, he, he's the one saying, you're like, well, yeah. Um, so one time, um, we, me and my brother Johnny took Joseph to Buffalo Wild Wings because that is Joseph's favorite, favorite place to eat. I don't know why. I think it's disgusting. Honestly, I don't think that's real chicken anyways. Like it, it's kind of, Buffalo Wild Wings, B-dubs, it's just not it. But Joseph thinks it is. Um, while we're there, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, okay, preface, Johnny is my favorite brother, okay? I know I'm not allowed to have favorites, but he is. I'm just being honest with you guys. Uh, Johnny is my favorite, but Johnny is a big dude. Like, Johnny is, is not small, and um, Joseph recognized this, and he's known this. And so out of nowhere, there, no conversation in any way, shape, or form has ever talked about anyone's size or shape or insecurities or anything like that. We've, not, we've had no conversation about this. And then out of nowhere, Joseph says, Johnny, um, you're kind of husky. That's not an insult or a compliment. It's just fact. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Which by the way, is a, is a great line for you to ever use. If you really just want to say what you need to say, just say, hey, this is not an insult or a compliment. This is just fact. Uh, and I've used that a bunch, honestly, with college students. I'm like, hey, listen, you're being an idiot. It's not an insult or a compliment. It's just fact. But um, in the name of Jesus, we love you. Blessings. But, but people honestly need that level of honesty. People need us to tell the absolute truth, the goodness of God. Honestly, I think we've sugarcoated Christianity so much. We've tried to, we've tried, we've only told like a little bit of our story, or we we kind of shield people from the weight and the goodness of, of of God when people are desperate for and need the goodness, the truth of God's word. So if we know that we're supposed to share this good news, like it's not just for me. The good news wasn't meant just for me. Once I received it, I was supposed to send it out and share it with as many people as I could find. Why don't we? And that one, that one word is, is fear. <laughs> We're scared. Maybe, honestly, part of the reason why I was tossing and turning last night is because I was scared to death of coming up here. Like it's, it's, it's terrifying sharing the gospel sometimes. And really all fear is, is this tactic of the enemy to shift our attention from a hurting world to ourselves. Fear, really what it does, it helps me forget that there's other people that desperately need me to fight past my fear and go help them. It just makes me think about myself. And honestly, we, we're being raised in a fear culture right now. There is so much fear mongering. There is so much hate and bullying. Let's just look at social media. It's vicious. You can't do anybody. You can't do anything around anybody. You can't say anything. Like you, If you do it, you're gonna get blasted for it. The news is vicious. The politics are vicious. Like our world has just become more and more vicious and attacking of anybody. Honestly, the, our, our society, our culture, it rewards silence and punishes boldness. Like it attacks anybody who's bold, especially for, for the name of Jesus. 
You see that in our schools, in our workplaces, even maybe in our homes or around our friends. Like, you can't talk about that. If you do, canceled. Like, no, don't, don't talk about Jesus, canceled. You know, there, there's so much anger and, and aggression towards the gospel. But honestly, more now than ever, people need the gospel. They need the truth. They need to be delivered from that hatred. They need to be delivered from their own fear or their own insecurities or their own sin, their own lifestyles. So if we know that that fear is getting in the way and fear, <laughs> the devil's using that against the body of Christ. Here's the good news. Okay, let me preface. The good news is that we are saved. We are going to heaven and that is some good news. The bad news is that the devil is still coming against us. So if he can't have you and can't bring you into hell, he's gonna do everything he can to make you scared enough to where you don't do anything. His job is to make you scared enough to where you're silent, scary enough to where you're paralyzed in fear, to where I don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel or I'm not, I, I can't do that for a lot of different reasons. He's using that. So if he can't get you into hell, he's gonna do everything he can to make sure that you're not effective. In church, we've gotta be effective. Now's the time. The harvest is plentiful, but the bold workers are few. It's time for us to share the gospel. So how do we combat the spirit of fear? I've got three points and then I'll close, okay? So it comes out of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And if and I was raised on this verse. This is a verse I heard a lot growing up. And maybe you've heard it before if you were raised in church. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. My mom, Tammy, who's one of the most precious people in the world. I thought she was the most precious person in the world until I met Brooke. That she really is like the sweetest lady on the planet. But he, she said, if, it, if, if it's fear, it's not God. If I'm scared, it's not God. That did not come from God. So because God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if he didn't give us a spirit of fear, he gave us the three things that we need to combat fear. Number one, the spirit of fear says, I am weak, but if I carry the spirit of power, my attention doesn't look at me. It says he is strong. God is strong. I know a lot of, like part of the, um, the challenge with, uh, sharing our testimony is that we've seen evangelism gone wrong, right? Um, I don't know when you hear the word evangelism. Actually, when you look at the word euangelion, the, the Greek word for good news, that's exactly where we get the word evangelism. That good news was always intended, not just, it's not just something that you receive, it's something you do. You give good news. We are bearers of that good news. And so, like I said, I went to the University of Alabama and on the on the quad at the University of Alabama, you would always see Brother Micah. Brother Micah was your classic Turner burner. Like he was the guy who was just telling everybody, hey, hell is hot. Hell is, you think Alabama's hot? Hell is even hotter. And he would roast those, for whatever reason, like he, it's like he, he was convinced that every, any girl that was in a sorority was going straight to the pits of hell. So he was always roasting for whatever reason, sorority girls. And maybe that's your picture of, of evangelism. It's like, man, I do not want to look like that. And, we ha and, we, and we we're scared of what, of the fact like, man, I don't want to be like that. But at the same time, I don't even, I don't think I have the words to say. Like, I don't know what I would say. I don't think I'm good enough. Honestly, if you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't want me to share the good news anyways because I got my own stuff to deal with. When the, the opposite could not be more true, the good, news about, the good news about Jesus is that it has nothing to do with you, that it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. 
The good news has not changed. If you've accepted that good news, you have something to share, which is, which is such a good reminder. So it doesn't matter how much you know. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much of the Bible that you've memorized. If any, it's okay. You know, fun fact, the disciples, when they share the gospel, they didn't even have the New Testament. So they didn't have the Bible app in their pocket. Like they had way less resources than we did. And they still were able to build the church. You can too. And some of them were just saved like the day before. Paul, it took him three days before he was going from murderer to sharing the gospel. And so, which is good news for us. And I think one of the best ways that we can combat this, like, hey, I am weak and remember that God is strong. It comes out of this story in John chapter nine. There's this, there's this um, young man that has been blind since birth. Then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene and heals him and forgives him of his sins. And, which is crazy. And everybody assumed that he was blind because of his sins. And so Jesus was like, hey, no, he, he healed him and forgave him. And maybe that's like a lot of us is that our whole lives, like we were blind our whole lives spiritually and then God shows up on the scene and heals us and changes us and sets our feet on a rock. And we have good news because of that. So the Pharisees, when they hear about what happens to this, this blind man, they're trying to like trick him or quiz him or try to figure out, hey, why, why are you healed? Like, don't you know that the person that just healed you is actually a sinner? They were against Jesus. Don't you know that this is not actually a good man? Um, you, you shouldn't be talking about him. You shouldn't be excited about what he's done for you. They're trying to like shut him up, honestly. And then the blind man said, hey, listen, I have no idea really who this Jesus guy is. I literally just met him. But here's what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. And that's our testimony. I may not have a whole lot. I may not have reached like the seventh level of righteousness or whatever. Like I may not have attained the greatest standard. I may not be as awesome as Pastor Michael, whatever. But here's what I do know. Man, I was broken. I was depressed. I know I was heading straight for the pits of hell and I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of my life. Then I, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus rescued me. And so I once was blind, but now I see. People need to hear that. People need to hear that story. People need to hear that you're no longer the way that you used to be. So stop worrying about your weaknesses. Instead, focus on the fact that he is strong. He gives me the words to say. Jesus has covered it all. If he's paid for my salvation, he's paid for all of your salvation. He's paid for everybody in the world's salvation. He is strong. Number two, so the spirit of fear says we are weak, and that, but, but power says that God is strong. The spirit of fear also says that I have to just love myself. I need to love myself. But the spirit of love that God has given us says that God loves the world. Um, question, how, how many of you know someone that is difficult? Like anybody that's challenging? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're the difficult person. <laughs> uh, Maybe not. Maybe you are. I don't know. Um, people are challenging. Um, actually, I, I am an introvert, so I think um, pe people are hard for me. Um, I think people create more problems than they solve, and people are messy. And honestly, people, people are pretty painful as well. People do and say some, some vicious things. And in this world of, of hatred, what a lot of people wind up doing is like, okay, I can't, I can't engage with the world. I, gotta, I, 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 gotta, I can't do that. I've got to just focus on myself. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to love myself. I've got to be me. I've got to do me. I've got to, you know, I got, I, I've, got, I've got my truth. I just, I, I don't want to be fake. I just want to be me, which is toxic. <laughs> it's the enemy's narcissistic way of trying to get us to, to turn our attention totally on ourselves and forget about the fact that there's a dying world going straight to hell if we don't do something about it. 
And listen, I'm all for self-care. I'm in counseling. My wife, we, we love counseling. Counseling is one of my favorite things in the world. Like I said earlier, you're your own worst counselor. So thank God you're in a church that has a lot of people that you could work with and get counsel from and work together through your issues. You were never meant to carry those issues alone. So we need to emphasize not, not self-love, but selfless love that I'm, even though I'm going through stuff, even though I'm hurting, even though I don't think I have that much time or resources or energy, even though I've created these boundaries and set up these, and, and I need my own privacy. No, I don't. When I became a Christian, when I chose Jesus, when really when Jesus chose me and I, allowed, and I accepted the gift of salvation, you know what we did? We made him the Lord of our lives, which means that I laid down my rights. I laid down my opinions. I laid down what I think is the best for me. I gave up every single thing that I thought I was owed or deserved. I gave it all to Jesus. And because of that, he can use me however he sees fit. And guess what? Do you know how he's gonna use you? With people. <laughs> Why did Jesus come to the earth? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we had the wonderful privilege of partnering with Jesus because God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. He sent Jesus, his only son, for you and for me. So I can't allow fear to say, hey, I just gotta take care of myself, no. I've got a church that's designed for that. Thank God for Soma. You've got a church that's gonna help meet your needs, what you need. That is God's mechanism to take care of you as the church. It's my job to be focused on the world and to help people come to Jesus. So I've got, I've got thank God, I've got the spirit of power. I've got the spirit of love. Then finally we get that the spirit of fear says, if I share my testimony, if I dare say what's really going on with me, or what I've been through or what I've fought through to anybody, I will lose everything. Fear says, I will lose everything. But the spirit of a sound mind says, no, that's just anxiety, that's just fear. A sound mind says, God has everything. Everything I need is in Jesus. Everything I could ever want, hope for, or desire is in Jesus. All the glorious riches can be found in Christ Jesus. Everything that I need is in him. One of the greatest motivators for fear, one of the greatest motivators to keep us silent is this fear of loss. Of like, man, I better not say anything because God knows what it'll cost me. I have no, and I know, especially now, it may cost you. It may cost you a relationship. It may cost you a friend. It may cost you your job. It may cost you, I don't know, your reputation or your respect. It may cost you um, your time and resources. I, I don't know what the cost is associated to you, but we can't allow this fear of loss to silence us and put a muzzle over our mouths. We've got to rip that off and in faith, remember that the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I lack nothing. Everything that I need is found in the Lord, my shepherd. Matthew chapter six says that if we would just seek first the kingdom of God, if we would just seek first his righteousness and his ways, then all these things, everything that I'm worried about, all these fears, all these things would be added unto me that God will provide for my needs because God is a good God. So now that we know how to combat this fear, like we remember that we have a, the spirit of power, that God is strong, the spirit of love, that he loves the world, the spirit of a sound mind, that he has everything that we could ever hope for or need. Now what do we do? And we see what the command is. Now that we, have, we don't have the spirit of fear, we have those things. In 2 Timothy chapter one, the next two verses say, so then do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. We can't, we can't be quiet anymore. 
Don't be ashamed. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared to share the gospel. It's time. Or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. It is tough and it does cost, but it's so worth it. And he's gonna enable you to do it, to get through the hard times, to get through the, the suffering, to get through those challenges by the power of God. And as a reminder, he has saved us. Anybody thankful for the salvation of Jesus? He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because, thank God, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we have earned, but because of his own purpose and grace. So church, if I can encourage you to do anything, if you were saved and got baptized last week, if you were one of the 17 people that got baptized last week, if you've been saved your whole life, if, you have, if you're still going through something or you've got an issue that you're dealing with, guess what? You're still a minister of the, of the gospel. You still have the right and the, and the commission to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So you know what the best news is? The good news about your news. The good news about what you're going through, the good news about your situation or your story, the good news is that it's not really your news, it's his news. That God has done so much more for you than we could ever earn or deserve. And I will not be quiet about what Jesus has done. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done. We cannot be ashamed of what Jesus has done. It's time for us to open our mouths and finally say what we need to say. Share the truth with people of the gospel. So what does that look like? Maybe today, today's the day for you to tell your kids for the first time why you love Jesus. Maybe today's the day or tomorrow when you go back to work on a Monday for you to tell your, your coworkers what Jesus has done in your life. Say, hey, I'm different. I'm, I can't joke with you the way that y'all joke. I can't engage in the same behavior that y'all engage in. It's not because I don't like you or because I'm better than you. It's because Jesus has saved me and I've been called to another standard. I've been called by God. He has saved me and I am deserving. It's just good news. And when anybody questions you like, hey, well, why? Why do you believe that? Or let me ask you about this fact or this thing in the Bible and you don't have the answer, you know what you can say to them? I don't know. <laughs> I do know I was blind, but now I see. You have that testimony right now. And I wanna encourage you to share that. So as we're, we're wrapping up, I wanna show you with you my testimony. Gosh, this is actually harder. Katie hasn't been in any other service. And I'm thankful to God for my wife, Katie. Um, so being raised a pastor's kid, gosh, Katie. Um, being raised a pastor's kid, like I said, you know, everybody kind of got to watch um, me grow up spiritually and um, they got to watch all my siblings. And I had a couple siblings that were a lot more wild and rambunctious than me. So I was bound and determined to be the good kid. And the cost of trying to be so hard to be the good kid was that I, I dealt with everything on my own. Like I, I hid every single thing that I did or struggle with or wrestle with and, and I got trapped in sin. So I, um, I remember I was 15, super angsty, like very, very much so a high schooler and wrestling with a bunch of hormones and emotions, but I just was not in a good place and nobody knew it. I, um, I wrote on a prayer request card. I said, hey, I am struggling and just need people to pray for me. I just wanted normal people to pray for me that weren't my mom, you know what I'm saying? Like I, that's all I wanted. Um, and then a lady in, my, in our church, knowing me, knowing my family, grabbed the card, showed it to me and said, hey, you can't write stuff like this. Who knows what people would think? Shoot. Uh, and man, at that point, I just like, okay, if I, can't, if I can't say that, I can't tell them what I'm really going through. I really can't share, like, man, I'm dying. 
I'm trapped in this addiction and this sin. And anyways, but I figured, hey, <laughs> if I can't tell people, then maybe there's a way for me to fix this on my own. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to fix anything on your own, but it just gets worse. I, my, I was trapped in the sin and kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I wish to God I would have dealt with this before I got married but I brought all those issues into my marriage with Katie. I hid, I lied, I manipulated. I, I tried to be good. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. It's like, God, please just take this away from me. But the devil kept me in fear saying, you can't tell anybody until one day, God used my wife. She, one day, she's a bulldog. I love my wife. She's like, hey, something's wrong and you're gonna tell me. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll go tell a pastor. That's more godly, I guess. Um, she said, no, you're telling me. So that night, five years ago, last week, shoot, sorry. Oh man. <laughs> I finally like opened up, confessed everything. And that was the first time in my life that I felt the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I felt the forgiveness. And my wife was so great. She, she hit listen. She gave me a hug. She walked out the door. We were separated for a few months after that. But then that kickstarted this restoration process of, man, receiving the grace and the freedom of Jesus. I finally got free from the thing that had been held in bondage to. And by the way, I was not perfect in the process. <laughs> I still messed up, but I had so many people around me who knew what was going on and could help be, be there for me whenever I fell down. And my wife was there for me. She, she could have left me and she didn't. I experienced that the real, true, genuine love of Jesus for the first time. And so I get to stand here today, not as anybody who is perfect, not as anybody who's never failed, but as somebody who is who totally messed up everything, almost threw away my entire marriage and my ministry and my life. And God saw fit to save me. And I just thank God. I thank God that he sent me Katie. I thank God that he sent Jesus. It's something that I've earned or deserved, but Jesus died for me. And if he died for me, he died for you too. And I know if you've, and one of the coolest parts about being on the other side of this, of this story is that you get to meet a lot of people that God has been so good to. You get to meet people like, hey, yeah, I was in that same place. Like, isn't it great to be this loved? Like, isn't it great to be this accepted and cared for and, and known? And man, I just had no idea that this was on the other side. And so now I, I'm just like, so thankful to God that the people of Soma, that's why this church is growing. It's because they see your life change. It's because they hear your stories, because they hear your testimony about what God has done, like his goodness. And I wanna encourage you to con continue to do that. Please share your story. People desperately need to hear your story. Revelation chapter 12 says that we overcome the enemy because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what overcomes the enemy. That what, that's what helps us overcome these issues. And so if you would, I... I want y'all, everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna pray for a couple groups of people. The first group I wanna pray for is anybody who has, you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you're scared to tell your story. You're scared to, to share the gospel. You don't know what it'll cost you. And I wanna encourage you today that he did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the people of Soma. God, what a beautiful church they are. What a great family they are. Thank you for Pastor Michael and Brooke and their family and all these leaders. God, you're doing an amazing thing in this church. And God, I pray for the spirit of power to rest on them 
brand new again for the spirit of love and a sound mind, peace to rest on these people as they share your word, as they share their testimony. And God, I rebuke the spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, of worry, of shame, of guilt, of those things that keep us silent. God, we're so sorry for ever being silent. And God, give us a new boldness, a fresh wind of your spirit to openly proclaim the goodness of our God. That is the good news. Thank you for this good news. God, all of us commit again to share what you have done because we are not ashamed of the gospel. I also wanna pray for anybody maybe the reason you aren't sharing your story is because you haven't given your story to Jesus. You haven't given your life to Jesus yet. You're scared of what that cost might be. Maybe there's a fear of, man, I don't want anybody to see me raise my hand in the service. I don't want anybody to hold me to that standard. And, but you've tried it your own way for too long and you're ready to come to Jesus. Today is your day. If you would like to accept Jesus in a moment, I'm gonna have you raise your hand. But if you would like to accept Jesus, be done with going about it your own way. You're ready to give him the control of your life. You're ready to be done with your sin and to choose Jesus. I'm gonna encourage you, if that's you, go ahead and slip up your hand, raise your hand. That's awesome, thank you. So good, thank you, thank you. That's amazing. I love it. Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thank you, proud of you. I'm gonna pray with you. So if that's you, if you raise your hand or not, I want you to join with me in prayer. You can say this quietly under your breath, so say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying for my sins so that I didn't have to. And God, today, I confess you as the Lord of my life. I'm so sorry for going my own way. Please help me to turn from my own way and to follow you. I give you everything. I lay down my life because you gave your life for me. God, today I choose you. And today I promise that I will follow you to the best of my ability for the rest of my life. You can have your way in my life. God, I need you. I choose you. I trust you. And I confess you before God and man. God, thank you so much for your salvation. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen.